This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome to Raw Beauty Talks. I'm your host, Erin Trelor. Ready to peer behind the highlight reel and all those polished pictures of the world's biggest influencers and wellness experts, we're going to uncover what beauty, health, and wellness truly means in today's world. As someone who really struggled with disordered eating and negative body image, I became a health coach because I'm passionate about redefining health and wellness so that it's less about the weight on the scale and more about how we feel. Let's pull back the curtain for some raw beauty talks. I need your advice as to how to deal with this. So my oldest, Gigi, she's six. She's just been blessed. She's beautiful. She's all the things. She really is. She's an incredible little human. Yeah. Wouldn't change a thing about her. She's very tall for her age. Yeah. And I was always short for my age. So I view her being as tall as like the most incredible gift. Mm -hmm. And Craig and I have always, you know, ensured that like, we're not talking about it too much, but like she loves her height. Yes. And we always want her to feel that way. And I was so happy she went for soccer photos, but it kind of irked me because they're like, line up tallest to shortest. And thank God with our coaching that she doesn't know about, she was like, yay, I was the tallest. However, when you get outside into the real world, we have friends or family. And I think I've got some PTSD about this because I was always the big cousin. And looking back, I was not big. <laughs> You're not big. And even if you were, no. <laughs> there's just such a connotation around what big means. And it's right? bizarre to even label a child's body, mm-hmm. anyone's body, yes, especially a little girl. Yes. So we get out into the real world and we have family or friends that are constantly like, oh, you're so big. Oh, you're so tall. You're so mature. You're so beautiful. You're so beautiful, but you're so big. Wow, you're so much bigger than the other kids in your... No, you must be older than what you actually are. And, you know, I just feel like very protective of that. And it really irks me Mm -hmm. because I'm like, if you and I walk into a room, is anyone saying, wow, you're so tall. You're so big. You are so mature for your age. (laughs) No one is saying that because it's not what you do. So why would it make it okay to point those out for kids? Even boys. Yeah. This whole thing with, oh, wow, your boys are so tall. Oh, they're so short. Do we do that with our husbands? No. No. Wow, you're so tall for your age. (laughs) I mean, I think that this brings up such a good topic. There are a lot of people talking about right now, like, don't comment on people's bodies, whether they look great or you know, you're making a comment about weight loss or you're making a comment behind the scenes about this, that, or the other thing. Like, let's just stop the dialogue around people's bodies. And it might seem a bit aggressive. Like I could see people rolling their eyes and being like, what, am I not supposed to tell my friend that she's beautiful? And of course there's like, sure, say it. There's times. There's a time and a place for it. Hey, if you know that your girlfriend has been working real tough to lose that last five or 10 pounds and this is a goal of hers, a thousand percent, I think you should, you look amazing. It's tricky though. Devil's advocate here. Yeah. Having had many, many conversations with women. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Is that that last five or 10 pounds comes off, yeah. but it almost always comes back. Yeah. And so then the five or 10 pounds comes off and everyone's like, you look amazing. Oh my God. They get all this attention and affirmation. 
essentially what we're saying is like you're better now than that other version. So then what do you do? Like what is your recommendation here? Because you are right. First let's step back. Like why do we talk about this so much? Why are we so fixated on this discussion? And I think some people it is even more of a focus and other people it's less of a focus. But you can say something like you're glowing or I love seeing you prioritize yourself. I mean these don't come naturally is the thing. It takes more work. But the flip side is, is that when the weight comes back on or they are grieving and I'm not saying that this happened to you, but their body changes or they get pregnant, that affirmation disappears. Mm -hmm. And then they're in my office being like, I hate this body. I can't be happy here. I need to go on another diet, but the diets don't seem to be working anymore. But like, I can't be okay with this. Nobody else is accepting of this. And it creates a negative cycle in the end even if it feels positive in the moment it's still affirming that somebody's body is really important so what do we do like what is your advice for like okay well we have to answer the kids question yes but then for this like what is your advice for like if you want to give your girlfriend some kudos Mm -hmm. what would you think would be like a really healthy approach to doing that I don't know the perfect response for this to be honest like I'm really still trying to figure it out myself and we've had girlfriends in our friend group you know people's bodies as they do they change over time and it's really hard not to be like giving them I don't want to say praise but just noticing it because you know it's something that they're focused Mm -hmm. on but I will say and I think that there was even a time in Mexico where I said to someone like you look really great but to be honest I love all versions of you or or whatnot like just adding something like that at the end and just I'm trying to become more aware truly about not putting so much of a focus on that. Mm -hmm. Like there's so many things that we can talk about. We talked about before this thing, like what makeup products that you love. Our kids, I mean, we've just spent two and a half hours talking about all these beautiful, incredible, deep conversation pieces. And then there's like thousands of surface level conversation pieces. But why do we keep as women coming back to our bodies? Why is this such a focus? Why does it matter? Like, I don't notice for you if you're 10 pounds heavier or 10 pounds lighter, like it would be more that you're telling me, oh, I've been trying this thing and I'm feeling a lot better. So then you feel like, well, I should acknowledge that. But I'm not really noticing the intricate details of my friend's waistlines, or I don't know if somebody's gone down a jean size or not. I mean, we've watched girlfriends go through divorces and lose weight because it's so stressful what they're going through. Mm -hmm. And so in those moments, it can be easy to be like, oh my gosh, revenge body coming in hot and stuff like that. That's the first kind of inclination. How many movies have we watched growing up? There's a show. Khloe Kardashian had a show called Revenge Body. But it's (laughs) like oftentimes these people are dealing with actual traumas that have resulted in their bodies changing in different ways or they're going through really difficult seasons. And yet somehow we turn it around to like being back to what they look like. And so it's happening everywhere. We can be gentle with ourselves and we can also be like, why are we doing this? And is it really going to benefit my friend in the long run? Yeah. That's a really, really strong point. I don't know. I'm like, just tell him, Hey, you look great. I'm like, don't say that. I take that back. Don't say that. I but love you know this, but I, I love say, this advice. You know, I say those things you do. sometimes, but I also hope that you girls know, because I'm even more so saying that like, I love and 
cherish your personalities and the way that you make me laugh and the conversations that we have. And But I think you're, and I'm like, yeah, you do say those things. But I'm like, no, no, you do. I think you are, as a best friend, you're very loving. You're always giving compliments. But when I really think about to the things that you're saying, you're like, oh my God, you are glowing. I do. I say things like that. And who doesn't want to hear your that? Your energy is really good yeah, right now. Like, yeah. whoa, like you're on you fire so right now. You are so fun. Yes. I try and focus on more of the intrinsic qualities. And those actually compliments those feel really good. I'm like, oh my God, I am. But my image of beauty has also shifted so much over the last eight years. Like truly, truly has shifted. Obviously due to nature, there's something to do with symmetry and something to do with, you know, bodies and faces that have a glow that we're attracted to and that we notice. It's like the charisma of someone. Yeah, yeah. And so that can catch your attention, right? Like Haley Bieber to me is really attractive and super beautiful and she's got the glowy skin and she's got the like great lips going on, whatever. And a lot of people also don't think she's that attractive. So it's perspective. Everyone has a different opinion. I also love how I'm talking about a girl versus a guy. different people that we're attracted to but when you think about your favorite things about your girlfriends like if I think about Kat I'm not going to be like oh my god like the thing that I find most special about Kat is is her her breasts and like she has this perfect little ass and her skin tone like that's what I'm going to remember about Kat oh my god this is such a good point (laughs) that's just not like that's not why I'm friends with her that's not what I think about that's not why I'm drawn to her Dino I'm friends with you because of your abs (laughs) yes because you are because you yeah like because you have a great clavicle it's just not what your friends or loved ones are attracted or connect you about and yet we put so much pressure on ourselves around it. Point well made. I want you to finish on advice for people on your island or off your island making comments about your kids' physical shape, height, overall appearance. How do you deal with that? Especially with like grandparents, like a different generation. Yeah. I mean, that's boundary setting and boundary setting can be uncomfortable because other people around you might not subscribe to the boundaries that you're setting, but it is a conversation with grandparents where it's like, you know, I grew up and this was my experience and I'd like to create a different space or environment for Gigi. So I'm asking that we don't talk about her body, her height, her weight. We don't use language like our parents' generation is just next level for this. Like they're fat or this or that or whatever it is. That one's a bit tricky. And I'm going to dive into that conversation another time around like some bodies are fat, some bodies are bigger. So there's nothing innately wrong with saying that. It's the stigma around that word and the way people use it that can be harmful Mm -hmm. and that can create fear around having a bigger body. So is this a conversation? If you have friends or family members that you're comfortable enough to have these conversations with, like parents or in-laws where maybe there's a dinner and you can open up a discussion about this. You can ask their perspective. I'm getting nervous. My palms are getting sweaty. Yeah. So I mean, that's common as well, but 
in keeping our kids safe, like those are boundaries that we can draw. And then people are going to say what they're going to say behind the scenes, but that's not any of our business. Mm -hmm. So I've had that conversation with my parents and my in-laws and it wasn't like you're doing this wrong or I need you to stop saying this. I always did it in a time when it wasn't even part of the conversation that was being had. And it was bringing up this is my experience. This is what I'm hearing. This is what we're deciding for our family to do the best that we can to keep our kids safe and comfortable and healthy in their bodies. I also have come to accept that our kids are going to receive a lot of messages about their bodies being right, wrong, good, bad, beautiful. I mean, for somebody like Gigi, she's heard from the moment she was born you're so beautiful. You're so cute. Mm -hmm. And so what happens then is there is a higher probability that she will attach her value to being beautiful, Mm -hmm. to being of a certain look. And so what I notice in interviewing adults is that sometimes the individuals who have been more valued for their appearance when they are younger have a tough time with it when they're older because Mm -hmm. so much of their value has been placed on the way that they look. They've received jobs because of it. They've had attention from adults, peers, boys because of it. They receive opportunities because of it. And therefore it becomes something they have to cling to that becomes really important. And as I said, where their value lies. You and Craig do such an incredible job though of not making that central as to who she is or why she matters. Encouraging her to use her innate talents and to build upon those. You've got her in team sports, which can be really helpful. And even if she decides that team sports aren't her thing, but like trying different activities that allow her to have fun in her body. So you don't want to have people like not able to say those things ever. I mean, I'm aware as her auntie, I don't focus a lot on talking to Gigi about how beautiful she is. Mm-hmm. I focus on like, you're so talented. You're such an incredible artist. I love that jewelry. I love the way you put together that outfit. That's fun. Like so creative, that kind of feedback for her. And I do the same thing for Brooklyn, but both of these girls are going to receive messages They are not going to feel enough. They're going to have hard body image days or, you know, whatever it is in their season of life that will come up. It's inevitable. And so in the conversation that I had with Dr. Shafali and then just also like thinking about it more as a parent, it's less about trying to protect them from all of this stuff. And instead, it's about having conversations with them that are age appropriate about, isn't this interesting how we receive these messages that some bodies are better than other bodies? Mm. Do you think that that's fair or realistic? And when they're little, like they're really smart. They're like, no, that doesn't seem fair. And do you have people that you love in bigger bodies that are some of your favorite people? Like, aren't they so cool? And you show them pictures of women doing all different types of things, which luckily there's more options for us to see that type of visibility now. And you look at like, oh, interesting how when we watch this movie, look at all the bodies. They're all exactly the same. Is that what it looks like when you go to school or when, you know, we get together with our family? No, there's all different body types. So it's weird that they only put the one kind in there. And you start having that kind of age-appropriate discussion. That's really great advice. Again, like none of this stuff is black or white. And we don't know how to navigate it perfectly. Like I don't know how Brookie will do with her body image. But I do know that by working on my own, 
I mean, I study this stuff, obviously. I have had such a traumatic experience with it myself that I'm arming myself with tools as to how to navigate this. And I'm so excited to have Free to Be, which is my positive body image and media literacy program, which we'll be bringing into schools for kids in grades six to eight, that will have some of this dialogue. This is insane to me, though, that this already doesn't exist. Like a building block of foundations. You've been working on this for a long time. It's a really incredible program. I'm excited to see it come to life and to like actually get out there into schools. And it will be two layers. So one part of it will be having these conversations with kids and informing them about media and how it's manipulated and why the messages are there. But then also I want to have another section of it that's for parents that talks about like, how do we have discussions about this in the home? How do we create languaging that's safe and inclusive? How do we reduce the fear around our bodies changing or looking, you know, different than our friends, that type of thing? It's so, it's, uh, it's, it's actually like overwhelming. <laughs> it's so important. Like I'm overwhelmed. It's so important. It is important. And it's important because as we've talked about all afternoon now, (laughs) (laughs) the way that we perceive ourselves and the amount of focus that we as women have placed on our bodies because of the messaging that we've received is really impacting our lives Mm -hmm. and our happiness and our joy. And it's distracting us from our intrinsic qualities and gifts it's distracting us because it's saying like just lose the weight and you'll be happier don't worry about working on that project or doing painting instead you should be focused on this diet and logging on fitness pal every single fucking calorie that you've Mm -hmm. eaten and exactly what's going in and out Mm -hmm. and you know instead of finding joy in another birthday and the fact that you've gotten to live another year, actually, you should be really afraid of those wrinkles. You're getting old. You're about to disappear, actually. Like you only have- While our husbands become silver foxes, we become cougars. Our husbands are George Clooney and we, our time has run up by the time we are 40 years old. Yeah, fuck that. And we're going to get louder over here. (laughs) We are not going anywhere. So get Botox, do lasers, spend thousands of dollars on all of these things. And obviously I've talked about this before, like I've done those things and there's a balance here. It's not about necessarily having to push back and do none of it and everybody grow their leg hair and armpit hair out and like never get a serum in your life. But it is about waking up to how much this impacts us, what messages we're passing on to our kids, where true joy and happiness and lightness and healing comes from. And it's not any of those things. So I think when I'm working with people, like you asked the other day, like, what do you do with your coaching clients? And what does that look like in these sessions? Generally, I meet with people weekly and we start off with some of the basic building blocks of learning how to eat intuitively and With time, you know, usually around week four or five, we're starting to talk more about the beliefs that we carry about the world, the beliefs that we carry about our bodies, our familial, generational messaging around the bodies. And then by the end of our work together, we're not talking about food or the body at all. And is it four weeks? No, one-on-ones, I do an eight-week package, and then some people continue on after that. But I find I can get people pretty 
far down the path in eight weeks. It feels intensive. Like when you do an eight week package with me, you have me on text and you can message me between sessions. And in the eight weeks, people tend to get a pretty good grip on intuitive eating. They have been able to shift their perspective around the body. And that does not mean they feel a hundred P in their body all the time and never have self doubt or never feel like they're not enough because that's not realistic, but a more neutral body They've got image. some good tools in their toolbox. Yeah. And a lot more awareness of their emotions and areas of their life where perhaps they haven't been able to invest time or energy because they've been focused on this other stuff. And like, we're starting to move in the direction of focusing on purpose and creativity and spirituality and all of these things that do ultimately bring us more fulfillment and happiness. And I just think that like, it's really interesting in talking to you more about this. I've always kind of assumed that this was more meant for people with disordered eating. Mm. But now hearing more about this, I'm like, this is really for anyone. Like, yes, I'm sure there's a large focus on disordered eating and creating healthy habits a thousand percent. Yeah. But this could really also just be for anyone wanting that extra tool. Yeah. You know, on like diving into intuitive eating, your belief system, you know, it's all very important foundational tools that like we are not just naturally taught. No. Most of us. The challenge is that for most of us humans, we hit a hard spot or we hit rock bottom or things are not working and we kind of get into that muddy area and that's when we make the change. And before that, life is so busy, there's so many things coming at us. It's like most people aren't saying, oh, just for fun, I'm going to sign up for coaching and do it once a week. So usually it's like somebody coming to a bit of that come to Jesus moment, as they say, when they're signing up. I would love to see it get to a point where you know, it was included in benefit packages where corporate companies were including this type of training and work. Cause I obviously have the group program as well that teaches all of this. And as well, like moms who want something different for their kids, I feel like as well is amazing just in changing and shaping the way that the next generation experiences their body and food. Wow. And so per week, per client, how often are you guys talking, do you think? Like, I guess it depends, but are you doing like minimum of an hour long session plus any questions that come up? Yes. Okay. So we start with one session a week and we do eight sessions, but usually that stretches over 10 weeks. So usually there's like a week where people are like, I just need to process or practice or life happens. I'm busy with the kids. And so it's actually really a form of therapy. I can't say that it is because I'm a health coach, but But it feels like, (laughs) but this is why I'm asking the question because although technically you are labeled as a health coach, this for me personally would feel like a form of therapy in a way that I've never thought about it before. Yeah. And I love therapy. With my (laughs) clients, it is like they come in because they want to repair their relationship with food, but the struggle in the relationship with food and the body is actually just a symptom of things that are happening underneath the surface. It's a symptom of feeling not enough, anxiety, depression, past trauma, and it shows up as I'm going to restrict my food or I'm thinking about my body and trying to micromanage every single part of it. And so we dive deep and I integrate 
meditation and body scans to really help metabolize areas in the body where there's stuck trauma. And so that can be really powerful. And as well, I just want to note that the programs that I've created, I've always run by a registered intuitive eating dietitian or a psychologist. Dr. Hillary McBride has gone through all of the programming because I also want to add that extra layer of just being so conscious that this isn't some Mm woo-woo thing that I created because I had an eating disorder, but it is always research-backed or within my scope of practice as a health coach, which is also research-backed. And so can someone just book a session with you? be like, Hey, I am at a low point. Like I just need to book in. I need an hour with you. I need to talk through some stuff. I've already done a session of your personal coaching Mm -hmm. and I just need to touch base. So yes and no. So after you do the eight sessions, you can buy a five pack and then we can touch base, you know, as often or as little as you need. I rarely at this point do one-off sessions because for me, it's just super unsatisfying. I mean, look at how long we've talked right now. Obviously, this wasn't a coaching session at all, but at the same time, people's lives are layered. Intuitive eating isn't something I can teach somebody in one hour because they've got to hear things, go back and experience it in their bodies, understand what challenges and roadblocks they came up with, where was the resistance sitting this week, you know, what are the patterns that you're in? So then they come back and we look at that, we learn a new tool, we identify our action steps, your aha moments, then you go off again into the field and you're applying and practicing all of these tools that we're working on. So a one-off session to me, I stopped doing them because I'm like, I'm just not as impactful. I'm not here to make a million dollars clearly. And so, yeah, that's what like gets me off as a coach is actually seeing people undo the conditioning and patterns and start to like experience life again in a more fulfilling way. So eight sessions is sort of the minimum. And then we go from there. And some people who do the raw beauty reset, which is eight weeks of group coaching, will sign up for the one-on-ones after because they just want to go a bit deeper. Okay. Last question of the day Mm -hmm. before I've got to do school pickup. Yeah. We talked about this in Mexico again. Yes. There's Mexico again. Great week. (laughs) You're going to keep hearing about it. There it is again. (laughs) We had a lot of great chats. Clearly not enough because this has been an extra great one. (laughs) We had a great chat about what raw beauty means to you. And a lot of people may think that raw beauty is how you started, that that means a no makeup, no fuss life. But you had a really beautiful explanation of what raw beauty truly means. Mm. The idea behind raw beauty has taken different iterations over the last eight years. But for me at this point, what it means is really being able to lean into and live a fully authentic life, like to truly be who you are, to feel aligned with that version of yourself to feel like you have the tools to move through life not always like the happy bright shining star but to be able to use your voice your craft your intrinsic values to be able to dress the way that you want to dress to be able to do Botox or no Botox to color your hair if that's what feels good and put in extensions or shave it all off like what I'm so clear on now is that what that looks like for every single person is different. And so raw beauty in the space that I'm creating is 
I hope, like I would like to have it inclusive to everybody. And I just would hope that the questions that I'm asking and the conversations that we're having collectively as a community and the sessions that are happening in the group programs or the one-on-ones, it's all about having people really understand who they are, what makes them thrive, what brings them alive, what helps them feel more energized so that they're able to move through the world in a really beautiful way. Amazing. Like you need to write that down and put that somewhere. I don't know if I said exactly that, but in Mexico, no, you're you like, did. you need to put that on your Instagram you in a tagline. And I'm like, are there any copywriters out there who can shorten what I just said into 140 characters? It really, to me, is like the word that comes to mind is just authenticity. It's living your authentic self. Yeah. And oh, that's, that's hard. Good. That's that's an easy thing to say. That's a hard thing to do. It is because it opens the door for judgment. Who, who the it hell opens. are you? Right? Who the hell are you, first of all? <laughs> Another class that should be taught in who the high hell school. Are you? Figure yeah. out who the hell you are. That's what life is all about though, right? Yeah. Like there's no class needed for that. That's what we're doing. Peeling living life the, as human beings is peeling back the layers and figuring out who that is. And it evolves over time. Big, big questions and a lot of fear about showing up authentically because of the judgment of other people. And so obviously I'm still working on that and will continue working on it till the day I die. But I'm proud of how far I've come. Like, oh my God, I'm I so feel proud like of you. It's when you look back <laughs> eight years at where Ross started, I wasn't visible because I was still so unsure. I did my first raw beauty photo shoot, which was supposed to be no makeup, no filters, no Photoshop. And I went to it, the founder with tinted moisturizer on because <laughs> I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it yet. I just couldn't be bare. I'm pretty sure I tinted my eyelashes as well. But unbelievable for you to recognize that and be like, holy fuck, I'm doing this because like I need this and I think other women need this and I'm going to like forge through and I'm going to like take this path that's not an easy path starting your own business, but let alone it being, you know, around image and now authenticity and living life in the raw. It's a like a double whammy because business isn't hard enough. <laughs> <laughs> it's really thank incredible. You. You're an inspiration to us all. Thank, thank you. No, thank, thank you. you. Thank, thank you. Thank you. No, <laughs> I fucking love you. <laughs> I love you. I've got to pick my kids up. Yeah, I do too. Let's I don't go. want to be the delinquent. I got to go to karate. Okay. We got swimming lessons. Okay. Oh, I can barely straighten my legs. <laughs> Let me unravel them from this chair. Like, Are you coming over next Thursday? Yes, I'll be here can next we week. Do this every week. <laughs> yeah, our commune. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this week's episode. Please take a moment to rate, review, or follow on your favorite podcast app and share this episode with someone that you think could benefit. Join the Raw Beauty Talks community at Raw Beauty Talks. And remember, it's your story, your body, your mind, and your journey. So think about what resonates with you and leave the rest behind. I'll see you next week.